Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Praise Him. So I'm going to jump into this. and um, at, I mean, the, the notes are in the, in the app. As you know, we don't have the screen uh, here with us. So if you have your phone and if you have downloaded... Uh, our, our church app. If you have not, I encourage you to do it. It's absolutely free. Just go on to uh, go into your iTunes, Google Play Store. Just type in the Gathering Oasis Church or the Go Church or the Go, whatever it is, and you can actually log in. Uh, once you download it, you should see sermon notes and you should see uh, a series fam, which is short for family. We have this is our series for this month. You just click fam, and then you should click on that. You should see the deep ones. So you see the sermon notes for, uh, for today. And if you don't have our app, if you have your version app or your Bible app, you can click on that. It should have at the bottom right, I believe, it's like three bars. Click the more, go to events, and then you should see the Go Church International. Click that, and then you should you should see uh, you should see the uh, the, the notes uh, on there uh, for for today. Um, and before I keep going, there's like a buzzing sound coming from I think right here on one of these. Um, and also, boom, it's gone. Amazing. Amazing. That's amazing. And, and I, I want to do something special as well. Uh, I would like to welcome the Go Charlotte who is joining us uh, today via live stream. Can we welcome them this morning? So Go Charlotte, I want you to know that there is, there is no, there's no time or distance in the spirit that where God is with us, he is the same way with you. Uh, we welcome you here this morning, whether you are a first-time visitor, if you're joining us uh, for the very first time, uh, we, we welcome you to where you are. Just know that number to two things, you can sit with us, and we love you already. Uh, the pastors, they have something there to, to make sure that you, feel, that you feel comfortable, you feel welcome, and you feel at home. And I pray that this message, I pray that it encourages you in the same way that I pray that it encourages those who are here with me today. Before I jump into this, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, bless me to do what I cannot do in my own flesh, and that is to preach your perfect word. Anoint my lips, God, to be as a tongue, the pen of the ready writer, ready to etch upon each and every heart of those on the sound of my voice. God, I pray that ears are open to hear and hearts are open and ready to receive the word that is to be planted on today. May you be glorified in it, and we bless you for it through and by Jesus' name we pray. And all those in agreement said. Amen, amen, and amen. So we've been talking about family. And how many of you know that family is important? You know, they we're getting around the holiday, holiday season time, and if you have not already uh, started with your plans on, on what family you're going to get connected with, and you might be going to be doing that uh, here soon. You know, when I first got married, nobody really prepared me for the conversation with my wife of, you know, where you're going to share the holidays. And, and for those married couples in here, you, you understand that. It's like, especially if, if your spouse's family lives out of state, and, and so we had to have that conversation early about, okay, well, whose family are we going to spend what holiday with? It just so happened that, you know, with Heather's family who lives in Michigan, that we were like, okay, we'll spend Thanksgiving with them because the idea of going to Michigan in December is a no-go. But it just never failed that every time we went in November, it had either already snowed or was preparing to snow after we left. And me, and I was born in Mississippi. I don't do cold that well. I don't do snow all that well. So me landing into a place 
and I'm seeing like mounds of snow, and I'm just like, this is not the way to live. But you know, we we had to we had to figure this thing out because family is important. So every every year we we packed up when we had the kids, we pack up the the kids, and and uh, and you know it was carrying strollers and and car seats and 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 you know carrying the the big bubble coats and carrying everything. I mean, we got seven bags because we don't know how to pack light. And we're, we're, we're getting up to Michigan, and it was all about, I had to keep telling myself, this is for family. This is for family. I remember sitting around in the living room, you know, after everybody eats and everybody kind of gets comfortable, and then people start saying things. And people start, you know, people start having conversations that you like, what did you just say? You know, it's like people start having those, and, and I, had, I had to just keep bracing myself. And Heather would tell me in the car, she always, she's so, she's so amazing, she always gets me prepared. She's like, babe, it's family. Remember, this is family. And I'm like, you know, I, I got to remember that so I don't jump into any arguments and get combative when that time comes. But it's all family. And all our relationships are different. Every relationship is different. We all relate differently. But you have family, those people who are connected to you by blood. Then you have, you have the family of faith, those of us who are connected because we are one with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all that matters. We're connected in a family of faith. It is the blood of Christ which connects us. Uh, you know, that's why the word of God, it tells us that we are, we are brothers and sisters in our family, that if you are one of the faith, you are my brother. If you are one of the faith, then you are my sister. Then you also have friendships. That's a relationship that you have. Friend is a covenant word. It means that you are now connected in covenant. That means that when you call somebody a friend, that means whether I like you or not, we're still friends. I know what I'm talking about. When you are friends, that means that, you know, I'm, I'm there for you. When you are friends, that means that I, I, have, I have a responsibility to be honest with you. I got a responsibility to give you the truth even when you don't want it. I got a responsibility to be there for you even when you claim that you don't want me around. I have a responsibility. You also have acquaintances. You just got people who you may not be friends with. You may know them a little bit, but they're just acquaintances. Those are, those are still relationships uh, that, that we have. You, have. you have relationships with coworkers. And, and, you know, a lot of those relationships may not be the best, but you still have relationship with coworkers. The, 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 the long story short of this is, is, is this. It doesn't matter what relationship you have. Our response should always be the same. I want to look here in, in two different places. I want to look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2, verse 7 through 9. I'm reading in the Message Bible. And I'm also going to look at 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. And I'm reading a Message Bible. Last week, we dealt with the difficult one. The, that, that, that person in the family who is just really difficult to deal with. This week, we're going to deal with the deep one. That one who's just like, everything is the devil. It, it, it's, it's, if I, I can break it down like this, it's almost like dealing with the religious spirit. Dealing with the one who is just, it's like, come on. This is, let's, let's use some common sense here. We're going to deal with that one. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 7 through 9. It says, my counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. It says, you receive Christ Jesus, the master, now live him. It says, you're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. It says, school's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Verse, verse 8 says, Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their, their, their ideas through their empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of, of spiritual beings. But that's not the way of Christ. 
It says everything of God gets expressed in him so that you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. It says when you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. We'll get into the depth of that here in a minute. And I want to read 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 real quickly. It says, don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderers. It says impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust, and allergic to God. It says they'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of these people. How many of you know that God desires us to be authentic with him? He desires us to be transparent with him. Personally, that is one of the things that, you know, it really turned me off from church many years ago. Because I didn't see anything that was authentic. We read about struggle. We read about pain. We read about things that, that were going, that you know, you read about that in the word of God. But it is as if, you know, when I, when I stood inside of the church, it was, it, it, it didn't seem real. It didn't seem like, you know, the same, it didn't seem like what was going on in here was the same thing that was kind of going on outside of the walls. Because when you sit around with people and we're having real discussions and we're, we're talking transparently, it, it, that, that somehow that didn't, it didn't, it didn't correspond. And, it, 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 and, and for me, I kind of, I, I can't be in something that is not authentic. Like for me, it was like, God, if you're real, then talk to me. That's it. Like, I'm either hot or cold. I can't be lukewarm. It's like, God, if it's you, talk. If it's not, don't. Like, if this is true, if this is real, if your word is true, then, God, I'm believing it. If it's not, then I'm moving on. But I have to have something that's real, and God desires for us to be authentic with him. You know, it was a couple, it was a, some months ago, and I was up, and I, I was preaching, and I was telling people, I said, you know, I've been angry with God, and I'm, I'm, I was so angry with him, and I told him I was angry with him. And then after service, somebody came to me, and the, we, were, we were standing outside over here, and somebody came to me and said, you know, uh, do, you, do you feel as though it was right for you to tell God that you were angry with him? And, I, and, I, and my response was this, you know, why would I keep it from him? Because he already knows. It's like, why can I not be authentic with him? Why can I not just tell him, my prayer should not be, oh, holy, heavenly Father. I bowed my head to thee today. He's probably like, dude, you don't even talk like that. Like, talk how you talk. I'd be like, yo, God, like this, I'm stressed. I need help, like serious help. You know I need help. You see me. Like, help me, help me, please. Pineapples, help me. <laughs> Trying to figure out how can, how, how can I relate with him one with another. Yes, he is holy. Yes, he is pure. But the same way that, that, I, that you know, my kids come to me, they don't come to me with this, with this false image. They don't come to me trying to, trying, to put on, trying to put on airs. They don't come to me with everything they know first. They just come to me as children. Dad, I need help. What do you need help with? I need help with this. It's not, it I don't have to go through hoops trying to figure out what it is they need. They just tell me. The deep one attempts to ignore rationale in an attempt to over-spiritualize every situation. We all got one like that, don't we? And if you don't know if you guys have one like that, it's probably you. They can be extremely judgmental, looking down on others because they do not share the same convictions. 
They base their spiritual maturity on their intelligence and knowledge of Scripture rather than knowing God and being obedient to his guidance. They use man-made efforts that utilizes works to please God. It's oftentimes referred to as the religious spirit. Religious spirit. Now, I'm going to go through some things to see, to know if you're deep. If you like, you know, you done jumped in a little bit too far. We're going to talk about that. Any other channel besides the Word Network, TV, and Hillsong Channel, Daystar, is demonic. Everything else is, I mean, it's just like, if, it, if it's not Word, it's demonic. It's just, it's, everything is demonic. It's like, you know, I remember somebody was just telling me, that it was like, you know, certain doors you don't walk through because you know demons entering through them. And I was like, bruh, like, you really gotta, you really gotta stop. Now, this is not to say that, not to say that I don't believe in, I don't believe in, in demonic activity. I definitely believe in it. I definitely believe that the demons are, are present. I've, 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 seen, I've seen people under demonic influence. That's very apparent. I've, I've prayed, laying hands. I mean, it was, we were in St. Louis, and, and this other bishop, we were just got finished doing a revival night, and this guy just came up, and he was just like curling his arms like this. And he was like, I looked at the bishop, and I said, you ready? And he looked at me, he said, I'm ready. And you ready? We, we both were ready. And for the next five hours, we were there with this dude. And it's like as soon as you cast one out, he was he would just lay there, he'd go limp, and then all of a sudden just another one come up. Then he'd throw up, and then this smell would come through, and then another one come up. And we're like, what's your name? And finally, I just I was like, look, you're gonna have to take some of these home with you, because this is getting late. <laughs> I was like, look, this Legion, I like, look now, in the name of Jesus, get up, walk. It seemed like as soon as you got one out, it was like, oh, I was like, no. What we not gonna do, like I'm going to my hotel room, bro. Y'all, I was like, Bishop. This is your church. I'm, I don't want to be offensive in your house, so I'm going to let you bless this man continuously. But any, anything else is just demonic. Everything is demonic. You judge, or, or people judge by people's appearance. 1 Samuel 16, 17 says, But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. You know, here's a, here's a funny one. You know, you, you carry an emergency prayer cloth just in case that one person comes to church, you need to throw it at them. That emergency prayer cloth, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that. I was like, well, you got a prayer cloth, which they was like, just in case. You don't know, just in case. And I was like, okay. You stand ready to rebuke at all times and criticize everybody else's walk with God. Don't say anything about your own. But you're ready to rebuke at all times. Everybody's rebuked. Everybody's bad. Everybody's bad. You got to rebuke everybody. Individuals who are more interested in liturgy in, uh, than liberty. It's like, I get the study of the word. I get the knowledge of the word. And I get our understanding of the word. Yes, we should learn it. Yes, we should know it. Yes, we should apply it. But, but here, here's, here, here's the thing, here's the thing that's bad. If you, if you elevate just remembering the scriptures, but you never live out the simplicity of them, then why do you think that God is pleased with that? Notice the people who God chose, who Jesus chose in order to do great works. Jesus, Jesus didn't go to the temple and choose theologians. You would think that those would be the people he would choose. I mean, these are the people, when he was, when he was a kid, he would, he, when, Mary, when Mary and Joseph were looking for him, and, and they thought he was lost. He's like, you know, whoa, like, 
I've been in my I've been in the temple. I'm about my father's business. Like I would have got a whooping, but you know, he's Jesus. So he's good. But Jesus was saying, like, listen, like, this is where I am. You would think that Jesus would have went to the temple and chose scribes. You would think he would have chose theologians. No, Jesus was like, I'm going to choose some stinky, smelly fishermen. I'm going to choose a tax accountant. And tax accountants in that day were like the worst of the worst, the bottom of the barrel. They were hated in society because, because many, of them, many of them were just wrong in, in, in many of their dealings. He chose a tax accountant. He chose Luke the physician. He chose people in the marketplace. He chose people who really didn't have a background in preaching. He chose people who have a background in anything. And he, he was showing us something that, you know what, I don't care what you think just because you're in the temple. I can choose whoever I want, and I can anoint them, and they can still do a mighty thing. You can be manipulative with smooth words of deception, with a lack of authenticity and transparency. You have a smoothness with words that can be manipulative, using the scriptures to twist them in order to meet the demand of what you desire. But there's no authenticity. There's nothing there that is fully transparent. Not only are you superficial with God, but you're like that with others. Religion becomes the blanket you use to cover who you really are and keeps you from connecting with others heart to heart. Religion. Religion. I mean, I've walked into places, and, and due, to, due to religion, it's like it was just certain, it was certain traditions that they had that really just began to quench that of the Holy Spirit. I, I, was, I was preaching in a church, and, and, you know, the pastor looked at me, and, and I, said, I said, you know, I really, I really feel strongly the presence of God. And, and you know, I, like these people, they need to come out to this altar. They need to lay out before this altar. And he said, you know, that's just not something these people do. And I was like, well, can they do it today? And he's like, well, you can do it, but I'm, I don't know if they're going to come down. I don't, I don't know if they're going to do it. And I thought, man, you know, we got to get these. And we, I'm, I'm preaching, and all of a sudden, I was like, get up out of your seats. Get down here right now. And I mean, it's like most of the church just got up, just came down and knelt the altar. The pastor's like, what in the world just happened? But a lot of things that we do, a lot of our traditions, a lot of our insights, a lot of that stuff, it gets in the way. And we use religion as a blanket in order to cover up how we really are. It's like, you, it's like for me, why would I continue reading the Bible? Why do I keep coming to church if I, don't, if I don't feel like, you know, something is really happening, something's really changing in my life? I just can't, I just can't go through the motions of it. Like, I, 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 I grew up seeing that. I grew up, I grew up seeing people just kind of going through the motions of it. I'm like, for me, I got to have something that's real and authentic and transparent with God. These people, they, they, they believe that good doctrine is better than a pure heart. But here's one thing that I know, that if your heart is truly pure, then you'll seek out good doctrine. But they prize good doctrine over a pure heart. It's like, well, I know the word. Well, yeah, you're a doctor, but you're mean. Like, you know, yeah. But it's like you, 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 you elevate your title. Somebody was like, do I have to call you pastor? I don't know. Did I earn the right? Did I earn the respect? And <laughs> one guy was like, I was like, what's up? And I called him by first name. He was like, apostle. I was like, man, your mama named you what she named you. I'm going I'm to call you what she said. He was like, but it is the respect of the position. Bruh, no. I'm going I'm to name you. I'm going to call you what, what your name is. I'm going to call you what your name is. You're going to be just fine. He don't talk to me anymore, so. <laughs> you believe outward holiness happens without inward transformation. Outward holiness. You've seen it. It's like, you know. I've been in places where it was like, man, if the girl didn't have on a denim skirt that went all the way down to her ankles and she wore them white kid shoes, 
with them little socks with the ruffles on them at the bottom. And then at the top, she had a, she had a ruffle shirt and went all the way down to it, went all the way down to her fingertips. And then she had no makeup on and she had her hair pulled back in a ponytail. It's like, it's like, you know, and they were like, they were like, well, you know, that that's holiness. But no, it's 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 not. See, that, that, that's that's outward. That's an outward transformation. That's the same way if I was to take a lion and try to make it be like a horse. Just because I changed the outside of it does not mean it changes and in, it is not, doesn't mean it changed within. It's a, it has to be a change that happens within you. Here's the thing. You don't have to convince somebody to change when there's an inward change. I don't have to convince you to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Like the prayer of salvation is great, but it's not really needed if, you, if I can be honest with you. I don't have to convince you to say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Because once you believe it in your heart, you're going to say it. I don't, have to, I, don't have to, I don't have to convince you to confess what you believe. When you believe it, you do it. When you, you walked in here today, you walked into Charlotte, when you, walk, when you sat down, you believed that chair could hold you. You didn't check the screws. You just sat down because you believed it. I don't have to convince you to do what you believe. But if you believe that somehow this, this outward holiness is going to just hit you because without an inward transformation, then all you're doing is you're just, you're just painting, you're painting a line to make it look like a horse. It ain't going to work. Something else, everything is the devil's fault. Everything is the devil's fault. I got them sugar diabetes, it ain't nothing but the devil. No, it's them donuts. It's them donuts. It's, it's a donut. It's, I promise you it's the donuts. I promise you it's the donut. But the, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. God gave you a way of escape. He said, drive by Krispy Kreme. And you say, you know, the devil sure is busy. He got that, he got that red sign on. Look at him. The devil sure is busy. Yes, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get six glaze. You know, you can get six more for a dollar, man. Quit playing. Go on and put them in there. Go on and put them in there. I ain't gonna eat, I ain't gonna eat but two. You done pulled into the driveway. Ain't got two more, but they got put two more left in the box. You know, when they hot, they ain't even got to touch your teeth. Just, just suck them right on up. <laughs> we done swallowed the whole thing whole. I was like, I look back at the box and I said, I need help. This is gluttony. This is legit gluttony. Like, I really need help. Everything is not the devil's fault. We, 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 get, we give credit to the devil way too much. It's, it's not the devil's fault. It's not the devil's fault. You know, you, you drive along the side of the street and then like your tire blow out. The devil show is busy. Baby girl, your tire was balding. Like, it had no thread on it at all. Like, it was, it's, it's done. Your tire was done. It was on his last thread. And God kept saying to you, make sure you get them tires checked. Get them tires checked. Holy Spirit, get them tires checked. You just still get in the car, just driving. Your whole car sitting on 85 in flames. Ain't got a lick of oil in it. What happened? The, de the devil tried to stop me from getting to work this week. No, you didn't get an oil change. You ain't had one in six months. Like, that's, that ain't the devil's fault. Like, come on, that ain't the devil's fault. You ever had this, somebody tell, tell you that, that you can't pray because they don't, because you don't pray like they do? No, we don't want you to pray. Why? Because you don't pray, you don't pray, you don't pray the prayers right. Man, if you don't leave me alone. Like, I'm, I'm not the guy you want, you, want, you want to ask to pray over your food. I'm not that guy. Because my prayers always go like this. Thank you, God. Amen. Let's eat. That's it. It's like people like I've, had, I've said that with people. I said with other preachers, and they're like, "That's all you're gonna pray? You're not gonna pray that God's that God's gonna God's gonna nourish the food and bless the food." Number one, He blessed it when He made it. 
when he blessed the animals, he said, it's all good, so we good. If you don't like the animals, then don't eat them, just eat the salad. We good. That's number one. And number two, ain't nothing nutritious on this plate. You got fried chicken, collard greens. It's like, come on. Come on, some God, let this be nourishment for my body. No, that's going to clog up your arteries. But, bruh, we're going to eat this hamburger and just call it a day. We got hamburger and french fries. Lord, bless it to be a nourishment for our body. It ain't a nourishment. It's not nourishing anything. The bread you don't need, the burger you really don't need. You don't need all the, you don't need the french fries, you don't need the fries. Come on, man. Like, stop being deep. Just eat your hamburger and french fries. Well, with all things, give thanks. I told him, thank you. Thank you, God. Amen. We good. He gets it. He understands. He understands. You regularly quote, judge ye not, yet you constantly judge others. You ever heard that? Judge ye not, that ye be judged. But let me tell you about Sister Mary. Like, come on, bro. That ain't right. No. Or, or here, here's another. Here's another. Here's another. You quote Leviticus to preach against tattoos or something else. But you're the first in line for the shrimp or the church banquet while wearing clothing with mixed fabrics. It gets me. <laughs> it vexes me. When people go in there, and they, they, here's the thing, here's the thing, let me say this. You cannot pull out one scripture and build a theology around it. The Bible is in totality. It's the full, it's the full totality of the faith. It's everything. You, got, you can't just look at Old Testament and then skip past New. You have to look at all of it. You got to look at Levitical law. You got to look at you got to look at a lot of promises in the Bible. I know a lot of a lot of our gospel songs we sing about a lot of the promises, but you got to remember a lot of the promises were made to very specific groups of people. Like even in the book of Malachi, when when you know when the Bible says when the Bible says it says it says uh, it says um, bring all your tithes into the storehouse and the environment. You know you know y'all we all know the scripture, but if you go to Malachi chapter one, you'll notice that you know who he was talking to. He wasn't he wasn't necessarily talking to the Gentiles in this moment. He was talking to the priests. And this was a point because they weren't, bringing, they weren't bringing all their stuff into the warehouse. They weren't bringing it to the storehouse. So since it wasn't coming, then God had a warning that he was given through, 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 uh, had a warning he was given through Malachi. You have to be able to read the word of God and then place it into, here, here's an important word, context. 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 You can't just take one, one verse out of it. And I, I know I've been there. Like I said, when I read the Bible the whole time, the first time through, when I got to Leviticus, man, nobody was going to heaven, including me. Everybody was going to hell. Man, I stopped eating meat. Like, it was just, and I wasn't doing it because it was like, oh, I just want to, I want to, like, get healthy or something. I was doing it because I was like, you know, the Bible says don't do this. And, you know, but here's the thing. Like, I was still, I, I knew, I figured in my head I'm still going to hell because I still get my hair cut. Like, everything that I was doing. I didn't realize, I didn't realize the depth of it until I finally got to, like, the New Testament. And I got to the book of Romans, and I was in Romans for at least, like, five or six months. I mean, when you get to, like, Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8, and you get like, to Romans 10, you're like, whoa, like, you got to read, you got to reread those, those chapters, like, at least 20 times, really just get it into your spirit. Because if not, you know, you, you can skip over some stuff, and you may think that freedom is all for freedom's sake. And you may, I mean, you will hear a lot, of, a lot of what's written there, and then you'll think that things are said that aren't really said, and you really got to put it all in proper context. The deep one typically assumes knowing church culture or religious cliches makes you deeper, you know. And we, 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 we get into Christian cliches, don't we? You know, Christian colloquialisms. I, you know, I'm in between blessings right now. You know, you ask somebody how they're doing. You know, I'm blessed and highly favored. I get, I get living by faith. I get speaking faith. But here's the thing, here's the thing that you cannot do. You cannot get to such a point 
where you're, just, you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to talk, you're trying to talk your way into a situation while ignoring the reality of your situation. Like, I get it. You're in between blessings. I get it. You're headed towards debt freedom. I get it. You're making a confession for debt freedom. But if you're still buying crap that you don't need, and you're still going into deeper debt, then you're confessing something, but the works don't match it. And you think God is pleased with that? He's like, well, I hear, say it 20 more times, and I'm going to do it for you. No, it's not how it works. God's like, he's like, you know, I, I, I want your faith. Give me your faith. But faith without works is dead. I hear your 21 confessions in the morning, but you don't do nothing about it. You wake up to my house I am blessed and prosperous and patient. You walk out the door, cuss out everybody in the neighborhood. You don't mess up the whole thing. You know all the names of Jehovah, but won't forgive those who hurt but won't forget those who hurt you. You know Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah, Jehovah Shalom. You, you know, you know all Jehovah's. But you don't understand the simplicity of the truth. Like, I get it. Jehovah Nisi, our banner. Let's pray with Jehovah Nisi. I get it. I get it. Let's pray Jehovah Tisikanu. I get it. I get it. But can you love your neighbor? Can you love, can you love your enemy? When your enemy is hungry, can you give them bread? When your enemy is thirsty, can you give them water? You know? Now, what are some characteristics of the spiritually mature believer? I'm done. You give that, and I'm, I'm going to close out here. Because if, if, that, if, that is the, if that is the concept of, you know, this is the deep one, then we have to look at, okay, what is a spiritually mature believer? Because deep does not mean that I know a lot of Scripture. That is the misconception that we have in the body of Christ, and I believe that's what pushes a, a lot of people away because people feel intimidated. I, you know, I don't, can't tell you the number of married couples I sit down with, and the husbands, they'll pull me to the side, and they'll say, you know, like, bro, I need help with, like, knowing God. And I'm like, well, what, what, do, you, what do you need help with? Just, just go to him. And he's like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like, I feel like, I feel like you know, my wife, like, she, she, knows, she knows more God than I do. I feel like, you know, she, she, may, she, may, she may know more scripture than I do. And I look at him and say, bro, just because she knows more scripture doesn't mean she knows more God. Well, you know, she prays for an hour a day. Well, her hour of power may be full of just a bunch of her crying. But you, for, for you, I mean, even, even, if you, even if you gave God every bit of it, and you gave God every bit of your day, that means that when you're driving, when you're driving, he's there with you. When you're in the gym, he's there with you. When you're at work, he's there with you. Like, whatever that is, he's there with you. And I know so many people, they're intimidated because oftentimes we make, we make God seem just so unreachable. Like, he's not right there with us. And, and we, make, we make God out to be so difficult. And we make the word of God to be so difficult. And we make, we make understanding him out to be so difficult. And I'm telling you, this is simple stuff. Jesus, Jesus says, if you just have faith like this child, and this is simple stuff. Salvation is a simple thing. Salvation is simply the fact that I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And because I believe that, then I know that he forgives me of my sin. I confess my sin. He forgives me of my sin. He washes me white as snow. I'm now, I'm now being sanctified through him. He gives me the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit to walk with me, to live with me, to live within me. When the Holy Spirit comes, I'm, I get certain gifts to be able to use. He grows certain fruit within me. And now I'm on a journey with him. 
And now he's called me to do a great thing. I have purpose and I have fulfillment and everything I have in him and healing and hope and all those things he's given to me. The light has been turned on. I was once dead, but now I'm alive. I was once lost, but now I'm seen. This is a simple thing, and we make it out to be so difficult. And people come to me and they say, you know, we need to do a class on evangelism. A class on evangelism? You don't need a class. Here's the thing. When people have good news, they share it. When I've, I've seen married couples who are like, you know, man, I, I, got, I got good news. We just, we're, we're pregnant. And when you're pregnant and when it's good news, you tell everybody about it, don't you? Because it's good news. You're not holding it to yourself and you're like, well, I don't know. How, how are we going to share it? How do I talk about it? I mean, but, but what, what if somebody don't like it? You don't care. You're like, I'm pregnant. This is good news. And when it's good news, you're going to share it. You don't need a class on that. When it's good news, when you know the depth of your sin and when you know the depth of grace, when you know his, the depth of his mercy, when you get it and you've been immersed in it for yourself, then nothing or no one can keep you from that. You're going to tell everybody you know. You're going to be on the bus telling people, hey, you know what? I got set free. How you get set free? I'm going to tell you about somebody by the name of Jesus. Because it's in you. That's good news. You don't need a class on that. Let me give you the top ten ways of discipleship. No, when you walk with people, that's discipleship. You're there with them. You're talking to them. That's all it is. Just, just follow Jesus' model. You ain't got to read the whole thing. Just know that Jesus was like, put down your nets, come on. Where are we going? I don't know. Come on, follow me. Sit down here at this rock, let's talk. What are we talking about? Then Jesus says something, they look and they say, Jesus, I don't understand. How much long I got to be here with y'all? I don't understand nothing. Like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'm going away to pray. Then he comes back. Come on, walk again. Let's walk again. And he's just there. They spend life together. They're there together. And through, through, through everything they go through, they're just there together. I know you're going to defy me. No, Lord, I won't defy you. And then you defy him. It's like, but I'm still there with you. That's discipleship. You don't need classes on that. It's the simplicity of the truth. That's what we get away from, trying to make it deep. It's not that deep. Well, how do I argue with somebody who's a Hebrew Israelite? You ain't, you ain't got to. You don't have to. Well, I need to, I, and I've had people say, well, you know, I need to understand every religion before I can really understand my own. How? Why? I don't have to taste every fish in the world to know that the red snap is the best. It's just the best. That's it. I've tasted and I've seen. That's all I know. I don't have to try everything. I don't have to know everything. It don't have to be a Jehovah witness. I don't care who it is. I just know that I know. I'm not, and here's, here's the crazy thing. I tell people all the time, listen, I'm not trying to convince you. If that's what you think this conversation is about, I'm not trying to convince you that my Jesus is a true Lord and Savior. I don't have to do that. My responsibility is very simple. I'm just here as a conduit, as a vessel, as a, as, as a vehicle, just to tell you about the one who saved me. Let me, give you, let me give you my testimony. I'll talk to you about my test, and I'll tell you how he became the answer to it. I'll tell you how he saved me, and by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will convict you of your sin, then show you and illuminate on the inside of you in your heart that Jesus is truly the Lord and Savior, and then you will make the confession of faith. Simple. We make it deep. To be spiritually mature does not mean I know a ton of scripture. Some characteristics of the spiritually mature believer is humility. 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 That even if you think you know it all, 
you're still humble about what you know. It always gets me when people are like, well, you know, you ever had somebody who you see, you're trying to have a conversation about the word or something like what you know, but that is not, it's like, it's like they just try to, they just try to just go over you with everything they think they know. Or because they think they can quote the scripture exactly how it says that somehow it was right. It's like, well, the way I said it is probably in one of them translations. Probably the message, because that's how I talk. The characteristics of the spiritually mature believer led by the spirit of God. Because the spiritually mature believer is led by the spirit of God. I'm not led by the law of man. I'm led by the spirit of God. Now, the Bible says, the Bible says the huos, those are the sons of God. And those are the ones who are led by the spirit of God. Those are huos. Those who long for the pure milk of the word. Who long for the pure milk of the word. And then, and then as, we, as we get the pure milk of the word, then we desire the meat of it. We have a growth in the fruit of the spirit. That is a pure indication of maturity. If you went outside and you saw a tree and, and, and you went back, you know, a couple weeks later and it had, it had apples on it, but they were like really, really small. And all of a sudden you went back a couple weeks later and the apples were still small. You're like, the tree is what? Not growing. Why? Because I can tell by the indication of the fruit. You can't tell me the tree is growing just because it looks, it, it, it may shine better than the other trees because somebody else was able to shine it down to make it look better than the other trees. No, the fruit is the indicator. And if you don't have the fruit that comes from the Spirit of God, then that's letting me know one thing. Either you're not growing or you don't have it. And it's difficult for me to believe that you have somebody and you're not growing with what he gives you. The last one is godliness. Godliness. Now, here's the thing. Godliness is a journey to being like God. It's not being God. Godliness is not looking down our noses on everybody else, trying to tell everybody else how they're wrong. Godliness is saying, yo, I'm on a journey to be like God for myself. But if I want to be like God, then first, uh, I believe it's 1 John 4 and, 4 and 8, 4 and 6, and it says, this is for God is love. So if I'm going to be like God, then the example I should follow is agape, it is love. I'm going to be like God. It is it's godliness. If I'm going to grow in godliness, that doesn't mean I'm going to grow in information. That means I'm going to grow in him. I, I, I wonder this question. If we didn't have the Bible today, how would we act? And while, while, we, while many of us, we can't fathom that idea, this was the case for many. They didn't, have, they didn't have the Bible. I mean, before, well, while, while the letters were still being written, they had no other choice but to follow that of the Holy Spirit. They had no other choice but to hear out for the voice of God. I mean, yeah, Jesus had an opportunity to quote the words of Isaiah. But what if you didn't have the words of Isaiah? We, 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 we would be left without the crutch to have to truly go to the master's table to get the word that he has for us. This isn't to say that we dismiss the word of God altogether, but I am saying that, that those who mature, we follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. We follow what God wants us to do, and we, we're humble about it. We're not looking down our noses on other people. Now, in dealing with the deep one, you cannot engage them in arguing. You cannot expect rational thinking from them. And you must be mature enough not to be offended by their overt and brazen disrespect. 
The religious spirit is extremely disrespectful. It seeks to bring you down. It is the, they would be the present Sadducees and Pharisees of our day. Just brazen, overt actions and commentary and conversation to bring you down. Religion has engulfed their mind. Tradition has taken them over. And my question is, what happened to that, that transparency that God desired for us to have? I'm telling you, it would do some of us good to just go to him and just say, God, this is, this is who I am. This is what I got. This, this, is, this, is, this, is, this, is, the person, this is the person you made me out to be, God. And you know what? I, I kind of just throw myself before you. Instead of this idea we got to put on this religious mask in order for him to accept us. You know, one of the things that I, I've found is that um, when dealing with, dealing with the religious spirit, uh, and I, I said this earlier, the religious spirit, they will, they will prize heavily their works, and they'll try to earn their way to God. And I see that now more than anything and, and I get it, because it could depend on how we were raised and how we were brought up. It, 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 becomes, it becomes like, okay, I, I, I know how I was brought up, and, and in order for me to feel loved, in order for me to feel loved, I had no other choice but to, like, kind of prove myself to God. I had to prove myself to him. I had to, I had to prove, or I had to prove myself to my parents. I had to prove myself to people in order for them to like me. I had to prove myself to my friends. I had to continue to prove myself. And, and, and we, we have this idea that, that works allows for us to prove ourselves to God, that somehow if we don't work it, then God doesn't love us anymore. And a lot of us in this room, we have this orphan spirit. An orphan spirit. You have this religious orphan spirit, and, and this orphan spirit is, is, is basically just saying that you're just trying to prove yourself to God in order for him to love you. So you think that every good thing that you do for him is going to somehow make you better for him. And God's saying, no, I love you regardless. I just want you to come to me in purity. I want you to come to me with a pure heart. I want you to come to me believing that I am one that you can, you can take comfort in. I just want you to lay down everything you picked up. I want you to lay it down at the altar. Could you trust me? Could you let go of everything you believe? Could you let go of everything you've heard? Could you take off your mask, even if it's for five minutes, to let me truly have into your heart to really know who you are, to walk with you, to be with you, to love you? That was one of the most difficult things that I had to get for myself, to just, just simply believe God loves me. It's not saying God loves me because of this what I did. It's not saying God loved me because this is what I said. It's not saying God loved me because, because of this idea of what I was trying to do. It's just, you know, it was simple. God loves me. And so many of us battle that. Battling whether or not, you know, does, does God really love me? Does God love me? And if you're not careful, religion will, will make you just continue to think that everything you do for him somehow qualifies his love for you. And that's, that's not the case. That's not the case. He loves you. That's simple. And because he loves you, you seek him. And when you seek him, you talk to him. You go to him. You say, you know what, God? I don't know all the phrases. I don't know all the words. I don't know all the things everybody else knows. And, 
and I don't I don't really know your Bible all that well. All I know is that is that you know your word says to seek you, and I don't even know it says that. I just heard Pastor say it, and you know I'm I'm just I'm just here I am. I don't even know how to pray, but here here I am. I'm saying that I need some help. I'm saying that I, I want my heart to be changed. I'm saying there's some things that have to happen on the inside of me. And if you're here this morning, if you're joining us in Charlotte, and you're saying, I'm tired of the games. I'm just tired of just kind of going through the motions with him. And, and this idea of just trying to prove myself to him and proving my works to him. And I want to pray over you. I want to pray for you. If you're here today, if you're here in Charlotte, and, and you say, you know what? I don't know who Jesus Christ is. And I've been making it out to be very difficult. You know, you've been getting into arguments with people about predestination and this and that. And, and it's, just, it's just made it just a lot more difficult for you. I just want to tell you, man, salvation is very simple. That you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says, it says that, it says that you, you've been saved. That's it. That's it. It's not by your works. It's by faith. Now, here's the cool thing. When you really believe it by faith, then you'll show works to prove what it is you believe. That's it. That's it. If you're here and you say, you know what, I haven't been baptized. I need to be baptized. And you're joining us in, in Charlotte. You say, I need to be baptized. And I want to pray over you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you, and I want to get you signed up. We can get you baptized. If you're here and you say, you know what, I've been going the wrong direction. I need to rededicate my life. I haven't been living the way I'm supposed to live. I'm not going the way I'm supposed to go. I'm not doing the things that God told me to do. I need to rededicate my life. Today is my day. I didn't come here for this, but today is my day. I need to make a decision. I'm going to rededicate my life to him. If, if that's you, i got to pray over you. And last but not least, if you're here and you say, like I, like I said earlier, you know, you, you say, I, I, need, I, need to be in a, I need to be in a church home. I need to be in a place, in a community where I can have family, a place where I can grow. I'm going to hold you accountable to to not, to not me. I don't care if you know me. I want you to know God. I'm not, I'm, not the, I'm not the vessel that gets you to him. You don't have to go through me to get him. I just want, I want to point you directly to him so you can go to him for yourself. Then ultimately, when you know him, you can find the freedom that you need when you gather. You can grow in that purpose that you have because all of us have one. You can go and make a difference. So if any of those five things minister to you, man, if you say, I want to be a part of this family, you're in Go Charlotte, if you want to be a part of this family, if you say, you know what, hey, I, 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 I'm here right now and I, I need to confess Jesus Christ as my Lord, if you're saying it's time for me to rededicate, I want you to do that. If you're saying I want to, I want to be baptized, it's time for you to do that. And the last thing, if, if you're saying, man, I'm just tired of the games, or or maybe it is you just need prayer for something because maybe you got a, you got a bad report this week and you're believing God for healing. Maybe you're believing God for healing for somebody else, or maybe you're believing God for healing in your family. Maybe your family has not been as healthy as it's supposed to be, and you're believing that God is going to do a work of reconciliation in, in your house. If any of those five things ministers to you, either Charlotte or here, I just want you to just come down here real quick. I just want to pray for you very quickly. If there's anybody here who, has, who, who ministers, who, who responds to any of those five things, I just want to pray over you very quickly. Could be anybody. Father, I bless you for these individuals who have, who have been so bold to be able to stand and say, you know what, this is me.
God, openly they have made a confession. Openly, openly they have said that this is, this is something I'm going through. Whatever it is, you know it, and you'll take care of it. And God, I pray that you respond to them with what they need. Whether they're here, whether they're in Go Charlotte, God, as, as the authority you've given unto me, I pray, God, right now that your hand, that it rests upon them. I pray shalom and peace in their home. And God, may you be glorified in it through and by Jesus' name we pray. All those in agreement said amen. Amen and amen. If you'll join Pastor Spinney. If you're in Charlotte, would you please join the ushers? You take, they'll take you to the back. Everybody, we, we're going to go into worship one last time. We do worship two ways here. We do worship in our giving. And then we also do worship in our, uh, we do worship in our giving. We also stand and then we, we, we give God our last praise. So uh, here's the way we do it. If you're, if you're, if you are a gatherer here, if you, if you're a member here of this church, this is your opportunity to be able to be generous and, and give up your tithes and your offerings. If you're joining us for the first time here and you're not really sure what's going on, I invite you to just take a couple seconds. Just say, God, you know, what is it that you have for me to do? Would you have for me to do anything? Just take that time and God, what you have me to do? I believe that God's going to speak to you and whatever he tells you to do, you just be obedient to him. Amen. And after we get finished singing, the, uh, the, well, the ushers, before we sing, the ushers are passed around the bucket. After it touches your hand, just pass somebody else and you can stand up. Our, our team is going to come up. They're going to lead us in song. And then our pastor will come up, uh, Pastor Solomon will come up here and lead us in the benediction. Amen? Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.